Who outside of play? I'm listening to Fully Cinematic. Really do a, um, a, what do you call it, a Christmas edition, I guess. So, because yeah. you um, cause the last, because the last thing you did was with Terrence, right, with uh, Tenant. Yeah. And then you did a solo on Greenland. I did a solo on Greenland, and I also did a solo where I gave. Uh, all I did was give news. I gave Hollywood. News. Oh yeah, 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 yep, yep. I remember that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Okay, so we got, well, we know we got two to talk about. So, all right, so how are we, how are we going to kick it off? You ready? Yes, 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 yes. All right, everybody, thank y'all so much for this show. Um, sorry I've been out of, the, out of the loop for a while. I'm going to give a shout out to my mother real quick. Um, bless her heart, she is no longer with us on this earth, but she's with us spiritually. I love my mom, love you, mom. Um, <clears throat> so I've had a... My condolences. To your entire family. So. Yep. Um, so we want everybody to subscribe, share, like, and comment. If you like what you're hearing and you like what you see, please do that for us. We'd appreciate it very much. And um, so we've got two things I know we're going to talk about tonight, and um, which I think are excellent topics and excellent films. Um, Ray, which one do you think we should go with first? Um, I think we should start off with uh, a little bit of soul. A little bit of soul. Yes, I like that. Um, all right, so I don't know. Hopefully most of the movie buffs out there uh, are aware of the latest Disney Pixar animated film Soul with Jamie, uh, Jamie Foxx in the lead. And um, I absolutely uh, I love it. I think it's a uh, great film. Uh, and we're going to talk about the pluses because there's, there's going to be one little itty-bitty thing that I'm going to have to – I will say is a complaint but we'll get to that toward the end but rain you have watched this right i have not but i don't mind listening to your review okay feel free right. to spoil, feel free to spoil whatever you need but okay <laughs> all right well I, I i well first of all let me just say all right let's let's start off okay anytime you go into disney pixar film at least this is what i do i am immediately going to check and make sure that the I, i'm gonna watch for the um animation itself just to make sure it's in sync and up to par with everything they've done because you know outside I know there's been some complaints in the past about like cars and the follow-up sequel to cars and the, and I have to admit some of those don't kind of you know aren't up to snuff but at all and no but soul is definitely um it's a beautifully made film I love the um the whole everything about it i cannot complain one bit about the the work that's been done the animation it's just there it's top notch um i mean just the lines and the characters faces and just how they interact with each other um so to kind of spin off on that let me just talk about the 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 film itself and that is so jamie fox is um and I, and he's a gentleman who is a school teacher he teaches music. Um, it's only part-time. And uh, he's in his, you know, he's kind of going through his, this little funk where he really, really loves music so much and he wants to be able to make something out of it. Um, his his um, mom, uh, 
which is who's played by Felicia Rashad. She's wonderful. Um, her character, I really wish that had been, that's one thing too, is I wish they had focused more on her a little bit and given some more of the detail about the, the relationship between the family. Um, that could have been expanded on a little bit more, but my, that's, but I'm not going to, that's just a mild, 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 uh, mild complaint. But um, anyway, he gets a chance. One of his buddies, one of his former t students actually, had reached out to him and said, hey, um, Professor so and so, and I've got a I've got a chance to fill have bring somebody in as a fill in for our um, pianist who can't play this gig around the corner, and it's with this. I'm gonna say she's a famous, probably locally I guess famous um, musician um, played by Angela Bassett. Um, she's a saxophone player in a jazz band. The, he realizes, oh my God, this is the chance for me to really show my shine. Show what I can do. This is this is feel like he felt like it's his big break. So he tells the guy, he says, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna get on it. I'm there with you. I'll, I'll you know I'll get later on this." And the guy tells him to be at the place this time. Be you know be there sharp. Well, he is just psyched. So Jamie's character um, leaves, and he is just all pumped up. Well, lo and behold, you know here he is. Of course, I think it's New York. Anyway, he's a uh, running to get home to get set and i'll be darned if the character does not fall through a um the manhole covers off of the manhole and he falls through and naturally his body people are still falling through manholes in, I, in yes yes this was that's the demise of the character um and he ends up going into obviously his spirit leaves his body and but he doesn't realize it um, he gets up and he's heading toward what they call, I think they called it the great beyond. And it's like a little escalator where people are on it and they're just going into this big white light, you know, which is what everybody kind of tends to think of as far as the afterlife. And he's realizes he's like, he's looking around. He's like, you know, this is just really odd. This is weird. So, um, he then it just, after a few couple of interactions with some other characters there, he realizes that they're going to the afterworld. They're not he's he's dead he's not gonna be able to get his big break so he freaks and turns around and he is just trying to get back down that escalator as quick as he can and he uh manages to break through and get to another place where souls <clears throat> are um assigned to mentors and then once they have learned what their purpose in life is going to be or what they're going to do on earth those souls then get to their earthly bodies now here, let me just stop right here because this is the thing. This is so far over a child's head. I mean, that's the only thing that's, 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 this is where we're going to kind of get to my complaint is I, I, I'm not even sure where they came up with this. I mean, why they would even pick a topic like this to be a uh, animated film. I don't know. I mean, it's just, now, it's, now, John, you, you, you do realize that Disney is known for, including death in their animated movie. Well, true. I mean, that's true. Got, in got, fact, yeah, that's a good Bambi, point. Bambi, The Lion King. Uh, yeah, 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 but that's true. But I mean, to, to this, this is this is more of a, um, what are, I'm trying to think of the word to describe it. This is, this is such a deeper look into it. I mean, because they even did in, in this film, they even showed, if I'm not mistaken, I think I recall them showing a flashback of Bambi where, um, you know, baby realizes you know, her mom's not coming back. You know, or his his or her mom's not coming back. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, yeah, I can, I get, you're right. I mean, Disney does, but to, this is almost philosophical. I mean, this is just really so deep. And, um, but I mean, that didn't have to me, it didn't bother me. I mean, I, um, but for a child, I mean, I'm just wondering, I don't even know what age limit they put on this or, you know, what the recommendation, recommended age is for this film, because it's just, it just really is way out there. Because then you see in this afterlife, you see, and I don't even know how you describe them. I mean, I guess they're angels. They don't refer to them angels. And maybe I missed that part of the film. But anyway, but you got these people telling Jamie Foxx's character, all right, well, we're going to give you a chance, you know, another chance and da-da-da-da and all this stuff. But anyway, so going back to the film, he ends up, he does become a mentor to a soul called 22, which is voiced by Tina Fey. Um, which I think most people can probably recognize it just from the trailers alone, because um, she's got such a distinct voice. Right. And 22 has been known to be a troublesome soul, and everybody has given up on on her. They don't want to deal with her. She's trouble. She has no desire whatsoever to go to Earth. She just doesn't. She doesn't think she'll like it. She just has all this. Somehow she has this vision of Earth just being a boring, you know, not a good place, and don't want to be there. So, but um they have figured out a way that if Jamie can get Jamie Foxx's character can get 22 um, back down to, if they can both somehow get down to earth, um, Jamie will help 22 and 22 can help Jamie and you know, Jamie Foxx's character and da da da. Well, they ended up doing this going, heading down to earth. And unfortunately 22 gets in Jamie Foxx's body. who's laying in the bed in the hospital um and um jamie fox's soul goes into a cat so this turns into freaky friday it is kind of a freaky friday so that's the only thing i was like oh because at that point i'm time off that's when i started thinking um this is gonna be taking a turn that i'm not sure that i'm gonna care for um and it was just really and plus it's odd because then you hear jamie fox's character this black man speaking and you hear tina fey's voice oh i don't and like that and it was just really odd. And then what I didn't get either, and unless I'd probably, I probably, I, I might even have to go back and rewatch it, but what I did not get either was the fact that it didn't seem like other people noticed it, which I thought was very different and unusual. So are the other people hearing his voice? I, it, I think they're hearing his voice. But when we hear him talking, we hear Tina Fey's voice. Right. Tina Fey's voice, which is, it's just odd, but anyway. So it's just supposed to be funny to the audience. Yeah, yeah, and, um, but it ends, but the thing about it is, um, you know, the story works out, um, to the degree, well, let me, let me back up. It almost doesn't work out because then 22 begins to realize that there's so many, so many good things on earth. I mean, now that 22's down there, she gets to see the, you know, these beautiful trees, she gets to see leaves and how they just blow off the trees and she starts to get real philosophical herself and, you know, starts to hear music and starts to hear people talking. And so she actually begins to realize, hey, actually, I'm not going to, I don't want to leave this, leave this place. So Jamie Foxx freaks out because then... Well, this movie must not have taken place in 2020 if she looked around um, at, 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 at life and figured that everything was... Uh, um, no, it was current. I think but, it was current. So she saw all this COVID nineteen stuff going on, going on, and she was like, "Yeah, cool, I'm, I'm down." Well, no, they didn't. They didn't bring all that. In. Now, see, they shot away from all that. They didn't bring all that stuff in there. So, well, of course, you're not going to want to see that. You know, 
um, you know, that kind of negativity. So that'll make you, that'll make you. So she probably would have been like, no, take me back up right now. I don't right. want <laughs> So, but, um, no, that's a good point. But, um, she just, you know, she, she really falls into wanting to stay on earth and even says, tells Jamie Foxx's character, I'm not leaving. Well, he only has a couple hours left to try to get his body back. So he can put on a show. And, um, so it works out to where to kind of get to the to the end of the movie is um he realizes after he it works out where he gets his body his soul back into the body his body he goes and does his 22 degrees to go back up and to the afterlife and not have a body and jamie foster's character has his gig and he's 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 great he does a good job and apparently this is angela bassett's character uh, dorothea washington I think that's her name anyway she tells him to come back the next night and he's before she leaves he's like well wait a minute so what happens next she says we do it all over again and he realizes well, wait a minute this isn't exactly what i had expected i love music and love all this but i thought it was gonna be to him it, he made it seem like he thought it was just gonna be a bigger to do than what it is and i think what he realizes that you know that's just what life is and every day you know you just get up and do the same thing every day for the most part Right. But um, but he loved his teaching job as well because he was able to teach students. And then he started thinking about 22 and how bad he felt for 22, not having a body. And um, knowing that 22, which is odd too. I don't even know why they use the number for the soul. But anyway, um, so he then goes to Graham Norton plays and voices a character who, um, I don't even know how you would describe this person. He's like a, he's kind of had the go-between between the afterlife and the earth and he was able to help orchestrate getting them back in their bodies and stuff so he went back to graham norton and they worked it out to where he could go back up and, and see 22 and, and convince 22 to come down and um and it all worked out happy ending so um did he, so did he go back to teaching or did he uh, stick with um being a musician a musician if i'm not mistaken he stayed with he stayed with being a musician. I'm, that's a good. Wait a minute. That's a good question. I can't. I'm. I've got. I'm drawing a blank. What did he end up doing? Because I'm getting tired of these movies where the the person gets their big break and then they decide, you know what? I'd rather just go back to being a teacher. <laughs> yeah. What did he end up doing? Um, okay, research. What did he end up doing? Let me see. See if you can find it because I'm I'm drawing a blank now. I mean, it was a happy ending. I know that. Let me just do a spoiler. It says that he returns to his body back on Earth now with the intent to live his life to the fullest. So does that mean he does both? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? That's right. I remember now him saying that. Yeah, he he realized that. So it does leave it in kind of. Uh, kind of a limbo, I guess, as far as what he actually decides to do. Because here it is, he loved his teaching. The big gig wasn't exactly what he fully expected, but he realized that, um, you know, it's like, he. I think he kind of felt the emotion that 22 did, which is even the smallest thing of life should be appreciated because like 22 just happened to have a leaf fall into her tree, I mean, into her hand. And just the feel of it made her realize you know, this is beautiful. This is just this, so, you know, I, to me, it had a good message in the film. I, I liked it. I thought that, you know, and I love Jamie Foxx's character. I just thought he was just, I mean, the fact that he hit him during one of his 
very early intros into the music when he's playing the piano he just he his body becomes almost one with the music and you can just see him just loving it and just playing that piano and when he stops um during the tryout dorothea washington and the other band members are just looking at him like holy cow yeah. and that's when she told him she said all right you be here tonight at you know, whatever whatever time o'clock and um because he just he just he, he became one with the music so Anyway, it's a great film. I liked it. I think it's. I think it does deserve to be um, recognized as a as a really good film. Um, the the voiceovers and the animation is just excellent. I just think it's great. So I hope it'll hope it'll do well. Um, these things that the movies now showing on these streaming sites. Um, I would still love to know how they're making film, how they're making money off of it, and how you can how they're going to determine who's the biggest box office winner at the end of the year. I, I don't yeah. know. I, well, this one isn't, I don't think they even had a theatrical release, so they're not making any money off of it. Oh, so it's just, it just went straight to Disney plus. Okay. Even though I mean, costs, HBM, yeah. Even no, the, yeah. Disney plus. Disney right. plus. Yeah. 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 But it costs $150 million to make. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the thing though. I'm, I'm just, so how, I get, is it going to be the subscribers that actually help offset yeah. Cost? I mean, yeah, I think, I think what Disney Plus is trying to do because they lost Disney as a whole lost a lot of money this year with like yeah. the closing the theme parks down. Of course, oh yeah, a lot of movies couldn't come out in theaters. So I think they're trying to just um, dominate the streaming um, mm -hmm. industry and um, get new subscribers and make their money back that way. But uh, no. but they're not going to make they're not going to make um, their money back off this individual movie though. See, and that's such a disappointment because this is a this is one that I would I would have loved to have seen this in the theater. I mean, it's just because. And let me tell you, and the other thing before I forget about it is just the soundtrack alone. And I'm trying to look to see if they actually have it released. The um, oh, it is sound. They, 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 they've got it. They do have a soundtrack. Um, and it the music in this thing is just amazing. I mean, it is it is just really really good. I mean, it's got. It, it really has a lot of jazz music that just uh, looks like it's a lot of originals too, but it, it's just amazing. I mean, it is really good. Um, now, I, did, I did see that <clears throat> supposedly Disney Plus got um, a ton of uh, new subscribers. Because, um, you know, did Sold and Wonder Woman 84 were both released on Christmas Day to streaming their respective streaming services mm -hmm. and all that. Disney Plus got uh, a boatload of um, new subscribers. They got way more new subscribers than HBO Max did. All right. Well, let's just, well, not to get into that whole, that's a whole other subject, another topic. Why would anybody, if you are a lover of animated films, uh, Star Wars, um, Disney Plus has the Marvel stuff too, right? Yep, all of it. Why would you not, if you're a if you're a true lover of film and everything, why would you not subscribe to Disney Plus? Especially when you have that package, when you can get ESPN Plus and Hulu. Now the Hulu has the um, TV commercials, so that's a that's not a good thing. Um, right. But you would you cannot go wrong subscribing to Disney Plus. It's got the classic original Disney films that. Now, granted, there's some that are you know probably. But you know, you remember you told me one time that you don't you don't buy movies anymore 
because you like watching new stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Now that's a good point. That's all right. So that's, another, that's another side to it. Yeah. You've seen all of the uh, Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies and the classic Disney movies, then you you know you there's not a whole lot of new stuff out there. This um, then it wouldn't be worth somebody to watch it. I guess to subscribe to it. Yeah, that's a good point. <coughs> now I don't know for sure. I'm just asking because. Well. <coughs> Because I, I I do like watching old stuff, so I don't have a problem with it. Well, see, I'm it's 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 yeah. I used to when I was younger, but now whatever reason, my attention span to watch some of that stuff over and over. There's very very few films uh, I like to watch. I will say Christmas time, National Lampoon's Christmas, you know that Christmas crazy Christmas vacation. I watch that constantly. And I watch I do a Die Hard marathon every Christmas. And see, which and that's another topic we did not even get on. I cannot. How in the world you and your, I, I think you've had a couple people agree with you. You know what? That, uh, I, I know. That I, is, I, I can. I can. Um, I can put the nail in this. Uh, you could try to shut. You could try to shut me down right now. I can shut you down once and for all. <laughs> okay, go um, ahead. So the uh, the director of the original Die Hard mm. um, did a, an interview recently in twenty twenty. And he said that um, he, he that um, it's a wonderful life inspired him while he was making Die Hard. That is a lie. That's what he said. That no, now you cannot t- no. How? That's what he said. Is, oh my God! How how could you even do a comparison between it's a wonderful life and Die Hard? Now don't get me wrong. I like I, I think Die Hard is one of the classic action films, but. It is. It just is not. A, I'm sorry. It is not a Christmas movie. No. You know, and as somebody who's seen Die Hard a million times, and who and who's also seen It's a Wonderful Life a million times, there mm-hmm. is more Christmas in Die Hard than in It's a Wonderful Life. Die Hard is set exclusively on New Year's Eve and Christmas Day. Only a small part of It's a Wonderful Life is set during Christmas. Oh. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right, you made the argument hard. So, um, wow. Okay, you got your points. So, okay. So, returning back to our, I have a question. I have a question about soul. But do you have any interest in seeing it at all? I do have. I, I am interested in seeing it. Okay. Uh, what I want to ask you though is that so it came out on Christmas Day, and mm-hmm. we, you know, maybe. This, it wasn't original. I don't know if it was originally planned to come out on Christmas. I don't know if it got pushed back because of the pandemic. But usually, you know, Christmas movies are the ones where studios think they have a chance at getting Oscar nominations. All right. Do is this um, that type of movie? Do you think this is an award winner in the making? I, yes, I think it definitely is. I mean, I because honestly. Um, well, truth be told, I don't really know what animation was, what else I've seen this year. So, um, but it definitely needs to be out there. It definitely. Um, I, I just think it's. Oh, because here's another point, and and um, that's really good. That I think is really good, and it's it's significant. I don't. I can't even believe I've just about forgot this. But, um, and I didn't. And I did catch. I did notice it, but. Um, it wasn't until I read this really great review by somebody who's, and I don't know which um, company she's with or which uh, film company. Anyway, she did a great review on it. But the majority of the K 
characters in this film are African American or of a uh, minority. I mean, there there's only you know you got Tina Fey, which I I, I think you you and I've talked about the fact it's so odd that she's a white woman who's voice then goes into a black man. Why does she have such a, a prominent role in this movie? Yeah, I, that's, I, yeah, see, I don't know. I, I really haven't followed up to read um, into, are you, are you talking about from a casting perspective, why they would have picked her to have such a prominent role? See, I yeah. don't know. That, yeah, why they picked, yeah. I mean, if they were going to, if your film is going to be prim primarily, you know, minority casts, why not go just go ahead and make it a, a of uh, uh, cast with all minority, you know, could be, you know, Hispanic or Asian American or, you know, African American, whatever. Because that the, the, the critic that I, whose review I read mentioned the same thing. She said, this is going to be something that will be discussed further on down the road. And I do think it will be, it'll be one of those discussions that people will talk about, which is as we're doing here. Um, but it's the point that she was bringing was brought up with the fact that this is one of Disney Pixar's um, first films that had primarily, you know, um, minority um, actors cast in the role. Which, if you think, look at the other one. I absolutely loved um, Coco. Oh, that's one of my favorite films. I just absolutely just love that film. Um, yeah, that, what you described reminded me a lot of Coco. When you, there's, um, because Coco was about, a lot about had a lot to do about the afterlife. Yeah, and, 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 mm -hmm. and music played a, a big role in the movie too. Oh God! Don't even get me started on the song that little Coco sings to his grandma. Um, but when you when you said that uh, soul was uh, a little deeper than you expected for a kids movie, where does it fall in, in comparison to Coco? Is it um, more mature than Coco? Yes. Yes. My personal opinion, it is definitely much more so, because when you get when you're in that, only because of the fact that it's almost like when the when when he goes into the afterlife or the great beyond or whatever they called it. Like I said, you've got these. It's not they're not stick figures, but it's like these white drawn, ghostly type figures that are talking, and it's you don't get the impression that there's like a supreme being. It's just, you get these people talking and that made me question, well, where are these people? Where, what are these? And where are these people coming from? Or are there even people? I mean, I don't think they're people. Um, it, it just, it's, it, it is just so much deeper. And I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. If there's a, if it's going to pull, people away from wanting to do follow-ups and rewatches of the film and recommending by you know, word of mouth, it's going to be the fact that it's just a, such a, it, it almost went too deep in, in my opinion, in a way. Um, Cause you got lighthearted, you got where Jamie Foxx's character is just, I, I fell in love with him from to begin with because I'm, a, I'm a, I love music and the fact that he, you could tell the pride he had on teaching these, some of these students. And he's got one young lady, um, uh, this young Hispanic girl who, plays the trombone and I'm gonna tell you what she she is doubting herself and he's teaching her and talking to her about it and she gets up and all of a sudden she gets into the same groove like he does and she disappears into the music so I immediately that first 20 minutes of the film I absolutely fell in love with because it just showed you that to, in my opinion I guess maybe it's a symbolic thing but it's just the fact that music touches everybody 
yeah. no matter what, no matter what race. Right. And it's so universal. And that's what I think is one of the aspects of the film that I just love so much. And, um, and, but then you go from, no, I don't want to say lighthearted, but then you kind of get into this whole serious mode and then you turn back into a lighthearted thing toward the end. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's, I, I don't want anybody to take me wrong that it's a, it's, and it has any negatives. The only, like I said, the only, um, it, it's, it is a really good film. I mean, it's, I think it's one of D Disney Pixar's best. I think they're on top. Um, like I said, animation is just gorgeous. Um, music could, oh, the jazz, you know, music that you hear is just amazing. Um, it's just, that's the only thing I think would might prevent word of mouth and repeat viewings is the fact that it's just it's not really it's geared more toward i would say you know teenagers and older it's not geared toward my opinion to like nine and ten year olds but that's my opinion so that's that is john's opinion of the movie soul so i still, um, I still think everybody should watch it and if you do watch it and if you disagree with me that is perfectly fine we are here we don't we're here to give everybody give their own opinion and so do you so it sounds like you definitely recommend it but oh, well, i recommend it yes but, they recommend yes but do you not maybe do you maybe not recommend it to uh kids under the age of nine is that what it sounds i like? would say i would say maybe 10 or 11 might be your beginning age to watch it because i'm telling you even then at that point there's gonna there's gonna be some questions and um, and I do what well, well, and let me just touch on this too. I don't think that they do it in such a way that it would offend. Well, this is me. I, I just don't know that it would be something that would offend people from because it doesn't really get into the whole, you know, what is your what is your faith or what is your belief from a religious perspective. It doesn't touch that. So that that's very well handled and captured in a sensitive way. So that so from that perspective, I don't think. It's, I don't think it, you know, would offend anybody. So it's universal. No matter what you believe in, you yes. can still uh, watch this movie. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Sounds so good. I, I say definitely, it's a, it's a. I recommend it. Everybody, please help out the film. I think it's a great film. And please, if you can, watch Soul and let us know what you think about it. And uh, please, movie studios in the future, let's maybe get some. Uh, Put some more thought into these castings. <laughs> Let, yes, Rand. Please make sure you. <laughs> you got to make sure you put that comment in there. So, but you're right. You're right because it is that is one questionable thing. You're just when that happened, I was like, oh, this is pretty odd. So, um, hmm, okay, we'll see how this goes. So, and I mean, don't get me wrong too, because I love. I think Tina Fey is a great, great actor too. I like her a lot. It's just the way that all came together it's just pretty interesting and that could be something we could you know maybe somebody could check into or follow up on and find out why the director or the casting agent or whoever decided to do it that way because that, that's a good point yeah, because on um on twitter uh people were su suggesting that maybe they should have cast regina king or tiffany haddish in that role oh tiffany haddish would have been hysterical yeah okay that you know what that would man Oh my God, that would have been good. I don't, does Tina Fey? I'm trying to think. Has she done anything Disney Pixar before? I think this is the first animated. Um, I'm thinking this is the first animated movie for everybody you mentioned: Jamie Foxx, Felicia Rashad, okay. Angela Bassett. Uh, yeah, I don't remember them doing any. 
animation before. Well, I'm gonna you know, you know what? You know what? I take it back. Angela Bassett was in an animated movie before. She was in um, it was some movie about this little boy who was like a genius. I can't remember the name of. It. And it was animated. Yeah, he was. I don't remember. He was adopted, but I think he went. He like had a time machine or something like that. Let me look it up before I say the wrong. Um, yeah, I don't remember that. But I well, that right there, that recommendation, man, that would have been a perfect combination. And I and I'm not taking away from Tina Fey. I mean, at all. Um, but to me, that actually probably would have made more sense. So from a casting perspective. So, but anyway, I think it'll still. You know, we'll, it'll be interesting to see what they're what Disney's yes. turnaround Angela result Bassett, is. Angela Bassett was, uh, did a voice role in a 2007 animated movie called Meet the Robinsons. I remember that movie. I remember that now. God, that's been a long time ago. Oof. Wow. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> think anybody else that you mentioned has done animation before. Yeah. Who did... Um. Now, here's... Not a good jump to another Disney Pixar film either, but... Inside Out, I think, is one that came out a couple years ago and everybody raved over. Yeah. That one, and see, I did not care for that. I didn't like it either. I remember that. Because I I was thinking... I think it got the Oscar for animated... Oh, critics loved it. I mean, they just went gaga over it. And I I just... I didn't get it. I didn't... I just didn't like it. It just was... It was annoying to me. I don't know... Yeah, me too. I I mean, like, the big... What was that elephant woolly mammoth thing that was in there? The, I, the supposed to be the funny sidekick type, you know, character. I no, no, I, I just didn't get it. Yeah. I, I, now my grandkids love to watch it, and thank goodness I don't have to watch it much with them. Um, but um, it, it just no, I didn't like that one. That that to me, it. I yeah. like. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm right with, there with you. All right. Well, soul. Definitely, everybody support Soul and watch it. It's a recommended film. I, I do think it's great. So, you need to watch that one. Now, there was another um, movie um, about that was, that was heavily influenced by music, jazz music, and um, had a predominantly African-American cast that you saw, uh, that came out recently that you saw as well. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. Please, everybody, give love and support to Sylvie's Love. Oh, my gosh. That is in such a good – that's one. That's in definitely my top ten. It, it, and and I wouldn't – God, I don't know how to – it's just amazing. It is, it is such a beautiful film. I mean, it's just – I mean, I love everybody in it. Um, so let's start with the whole premise of the film. So you start off with um, – this gentleman who, he is a, this young man, he's a jazz uh, performer, um, plays the saxophone. When does this take place? Uh, this is back in the 50s, 60s, maybe late 50s, early 60s. You right. probably, maybe. you might have read it right there. It's, Period. You, what, when was it? Uh, 50, I think it started in 57. And, yeah. No, it, it, um... Yeah, fifty seven. Yeah, yeah. It was it was late fifties. Yeah, but, but um, it, it went through through the sixties. Yeah, well, that's right. And I'll, and we can get into an uh, aspect of that too. So, so here we are in the late fifties. Um, what's interesting is 
nothing is really, and I don't, all right, let me, let me just tell the premise of the film and then we can get into the whole dissect some of the pluses and minuses or whatever, or how we, how we, maybe some people might see it and think this is not realistic at all. Right. But anyway, um, so this young man, he's a performer, he wants to make, you know, he wants to make it big too in the, in the jazz world. Um, he loves music, it's his life. Um, and <clears throat> he and his um, group that he's in, he's not the leader, he's not the founder, he just plays in a band. Um, and he just happens to uh, go that one day and goes to a record store um, and he gets into, he goes to this record store and this young lady just happens to catch his eye and this young lady is the daughter of a man who owns a record store with a, with a father her father also used to be a musician and but he never made it big and he even gives a little brief blurb in the early on in the film about the fact that the closest thing he could be to music anymore was the record store so so that's why he had it um well, this young lady who is just absolutely gorgeous and just beautiful, not that it makes any difference, but she is just, and I, you could just tell her personality is just going to catch you from the get-go. She is engaged to a gentleman who is serving his time in the uh, military. And her mother, who I just, and I just love this woman. She's, she's kind of difficult in the fact that she wants the best for her daughter um, she doesn't want her to marry anybody less than, you know, like a doctor, somebody who's going to have, you know, an up, upper class, you know, status in life and everything. Um, but this young man goes into this record store and he's immediately intrigued by the character named Sylvie. So um, he tries to, um, he, he, I know what it was, and so I'm sorry, y'all. It's, it's been a couple weeks I watched it, but he noticed that there was a help wanted sign in the store, and he asked, the, you know, Sylvia about it, and she says, No, my dad only put it there. That's really not help wanted. Da da da. Well, her dad comes in and ends up meeting the guy, and he hires him on the spot. And um, after talking to him for a little bit, and because um, he finds out that he plays jazz, he plays saxophone, and that, of course, just they hit it off right away. So he starts the job and he knows that she is with somebody but you can also tell that the attraction is there and what i love about this film is it's, it's not a fast pace so if you're really going into it looking for you know this this big everything all this kind of stuff is going on and everything around you the world drama the world um issues are taking place this it's not a, it's not that's not the focus of the film this film is strictly focused on the relationship that you can tell is developing between this couple. And you also get the jazz is introduced into it. The music is unbelievable. Um, the chemistry is just there. It's just, it's just amazing. And um, well, eventually, Sylvie and this young man end up hooking Robert. up. Robert. Robert, yep, Robert, they end up hooking up. And at the time they do, Robert and the band get a gig or a chance to play because they have this woman come and see him at a nightclub one night and she wants to become their agent and she's, she apparently seems to be fairly well-to-do woman and she gets them a gig over in Paris. Well, lo and behold, Robert tells Sylvie, you know, hey, I've got this gig, I want you to come with me and da-da-da. 
Well, in the meantime, what he doesn't realize is that Sylvie has talked to her cousin, who she's very close to um, in the film, and they're talking, and Sylvie is pregnant. And, but she does not tell Robert. She's got a fiance, right? Yeah. So he asked her one night, said, would you please, please, please consider coming with me to Paris? This could be my big break, and I want you to be a part of it, and da-da-da. She tells him yes, but then she realizes um, that it's not going to work. So he's with the guys out at the car waiting one day for her to show up so they could head off to the airport and get on the plane to Paris. And she does show up. The cousin gets her down there, but she tells him, she says, Robert, I can't come with you. And, you know, but you just know, you can just, it's just, it's heartbreaking because you know they love each other. She loves him. And, um, but he leaves. So I think it's. So he doesn't know. He's no. He never knew that she was pregnant. No, well, no, not at that point, no. So he goes off, and, you know, he's he's playing in the band, and, yeah, they, they end up making records and all this stuff, but the, this group that he's in, I can't remember, it's Dickie something in the quartet, I think. Anyway, he's not really making the money, you know, at the at, like he should be with his talent because, and um, apparently, I don't know, I mean, I'm not much of a personal prodigy as far as or knowing much about what saxophone this supposed to sound like, but <clears throat> apparently he is just like almost on the genius level of like a is Miles Davis, like one of the famous saxophonists or trumpet. Uh, genius musician, trumpet, yeah. Um, but anyway, so, um, but he ends up, she ends up, she gets married, she has the, the little girl, um, living what's supposed to be like a dream life, you know, because her husband's a big, big wig and lives in, you know, lives, has nice clothes, cars. Um, and she's going to a show one night and had asked, um, I think, I can't remember if it was the husband that was supposed to show up or if it was her cousin. But anyway, she just happens to run with Robert. They're both at the same place. He, I think he's back in New York for a gig or something. And they run into each other. And, um, and this is it, what, five years later? It's like five or six years later. And you could tell the spark is still there. He accepts the ticket, goes in, sits with her. And what happens? They end up watching the show and they go back together and be together. And um, <clears throat> she calls her cousin the next day and tells her, you know, who she's run into and what's happened. And she's like, well, what, what happened? And she said, please tell me you didn't hook up or anything. And, you know, she's like, yes, I did. She's like, oh, my God, what are you going to do? And da, da, da. Well, she, she loves him. I mean, she just, this is true to the man of her life. Well, in the meantime, she also wants to be, she wants to work. She, she, she has passions as well. She doesn't want to just be a housewife and, you know, be, I hate to use the cliche, barefoot and pregnant and all that stuff, but she doesn't want to be like that. She, so she ends up getting a, a job as a producer um, at a television station and does, does extremely well. The, the woman that hired her ends up leaving, and she now takes this, over that spot. This is about where I came in, because I saw the, the second half of the movie. I didn't see the okay. first So I think I came in when she uh, was working as a Working at a television station. Did you did you see the part where the woman interviewed her though? No, I didn't see that. I saw yeah. where the, I saw where the her I think her supervisor quit, which allowed her to get a promotion. That's right. Okay. Did you see the part where she was questioning the the woman that played the host of the cooking show? How it was that she acted a certain way in front of the camera, but then she acted a certain way behind the camera with the guys. Yeah, and she thought that her. Um, the way she was off screen would, would be a, a bigger hit 
on camera. Right, right. But then, but then I think if if I recall correctly, wasn't it a discussion about the fact that women can't be or or be that way, you know, for whatever reason, something like that came into play about being able to you know be yourself, and that's what Tessa Thompson's character really wanted. Sylvia wanted to do was she wanted to be able to live her life, have her dreams, and you know fulfill her career and everything, but she loved Robert at the same time, um, and the fiance. Kind of found out he he knew he went ahead and accepted um, and I don't know what point in time it was brought to his attention that the child the little girl was not his. Well, he, 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 when he was off uh, at war. He he had to figure it out. Oh well, he had well that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so yeah, duh. Um, but he still married her anyway, and I do think, and it was a heartbreaking part of the film because you saw where he told her. He said, "I didn't marry you because I had to, or felt." What did he say? Something like, "I didn't marry you because I felt sorry for you, or something." I married you because I wanted to. Yeah, because he said he loved her. Yeah, he did, and he, you know, he he truly did. He said he said I didn't marry you because I uh, I felt like I had to. I, I I married you because I loved both of you. Right, exactly. And you know, I, he was to me he wasn't a bad guy, but it just this movie, I didn't see any any villain in this movie. Yeah, you didn't see any what? I didn't see any villain in the movie. Oh no, 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 not at all. I, like I said, that's the one to see. To me, that's what I like about the film was the fact that it was a, a film based. It was an old, and, and what I read, I read a critic, he wrote about it, and I agree with him completely. It is an old fashioned romance movie, and it's just the fact that this couple loved each other very much, but he felt like he was going to miss out on his opportunity, and yet she had, I think she felt pressured not from society. I think she felt more pressure just from her mom and dad, and especially her mother, because I don't know if you, did you get a chance to see her mother at all? I didn't. Oh, I she was she was tough in the fact that she's like, you know, in fact, she even taught etiquette class. She even taught etiquette school, which oh. I thought was, you know, which I thought was, you know, because it showed her she had the girls and they were, they were all sitting with their little dresses and little so you know, she had, nice shoes. And, she had a, um, a specific idea of of, what, what, how of, how she, a lady, of how a lady acted and portrayed herself in society, yes. And she insisted that her daughter grow up to be like that. Exactly. Gotcha. And the only thing about the film, too, that, you know, as far as the cultural aspect of things that might have been happening to, there were some issues dealing with um, uh the suppression that you know African Americans were going through. Uh, the cousins was actually had left, and she had actually gone on to some of the marches. So she was involved in that earlier on, and she would call Sylvia and she would talk to her about it and say, "Well, no, we're getting ready to do another march, you know, so and so." And and Sylvia was like, "I'm so proud of you." And everything. I think you you probably saw some of that, right? I don't remember seeing any marches. Okay. Well, well, no, no, they didn't actually get into the marches themselves. They just talked about her cousin was going to the marches and stuff. And she was like, she was in the. Uh, in the offices where they were, you know, you know how you see political campaigns where people are on the phones and they're talking to people and writing stuff down and everything. She was kind of heading up. Gotcha. You could tell she, she, she was kind of in the offices helping head up the marches and when they were going to take place and what they're about and stuff like that. So she was really busy on that aspect. But um, it, but the film, and that's what I think was so good because I did not want, because the chemistry between these act, this, between the two characters were so, was just so focused on their love for each other that, and then, of course, well, let me go back. So something, he, I, something I want to say is you mentioned before that it, it seemed like a an old school um, uh, movie. Mm -hmm. 
And it looked like an old school movie too. Like I, I was waiting for Sidney Poitier to walk up. Oh, <laughs> exactly. It, it I mean, it truly. The whole I like the, of it. I like the the music was constant. The jazz music was constantly in the background. It gave it oh, a, yeah. a, a, like a certain atmosphere that I liked. This movie had better get some Oscar nominations. That's all I got to say. I think yeah. that's why this movie can't because it came out. It was released to Amazon Prime streaming on December the twenty third, and I think it was because they were they had Oscar nominations in mind. I think uh, and it deservedly needs to get some nominations. I mean, the performances are just so good. You just feel that connection between them, that chemistry. They just, uh, I love Tessa Thompson. She's just amazing. She's such a, uh, just love her. But um, the film is just, just, it's so good. I mean, you know, again, it's not, it's not a fan. I mean, I love it. And I'm, I love drama. I love action. I love all that. But this is just, just, I don't know, it's just amazing. I mean, it's just the, the music, everything just worked together so well. And it's not that I didn't want, and the way it is old fashioned too, it's the fact that, um, I like the fact that there was nothing that was distracting or took away from the love of jazz and the love these two people had for each other. That's, that's pretty much my whole take on the film. Right. It was kind of, to me, it was kind of, uh, you know, it was reality, but it was kind of, kind of sad uh, to see that Robert's dreams were kind of um, getting crushed because musical tastes had changed. Like, oh um, yeah, rock and roll uh, and Motown had um, gotten more popular than. Oh, jazz. and oh my God, I was upset when he went and he was thinking he had a break with Motown. And that kid or that guy that lied to him, oh my God, yeah. I. I'd have taken him down right there. I'd have, right. <laughs> I'd, have been, I'd have been like, you know what? You just got to come right here while I beat you. You know what? For a few minutes, because you know you don't know what this has done to my heart. You know. Yeah. Um, he, he lured him to move from New York City to Detroit with the exactly. promise. Exactly. He said he had connections and he promised him a job if he um, came to Detroit. Well, and she was gonna she was gonna give up her career. She right. loved him that much. She had decided that she was gonna give up her career. When he showed up in Detroit and got to the studio, turns out the guy lied when he said he was Barry Gordy's uh, right-hand man. Really, he was just a gopher. He was <laughs> emptying trash and taking stuff. Yeah, and he was getting coffee. Uh, and then when he asked him about it, he said, um, you know, everybody knows that I, I'm, all, I'm all talk. I didn't, expect you to, I didn't expect you to show up. I didn't think you would believe me. I'd have, I'd have beat him down so hard right then and there. <laughs> uh, but I love the fact that he sacrificed. It killed me when he told her and when he got back that he didn't want to be with her anymore, but he did it because he did not want her to give up her dream and sacrifice. He wanted her to have everything. I mean, as much as you could tell it was killing him. Right. He did this because, yeah, because he ended up getting a job in an auto factory. He, that to me, that was a true gentleman. And a true human being. He did the same but, thing that she had done early five years earlier. Exactly. When she found out that she was pregnant. Right. And her her friend what was that her her cousin or her friend? That, that was her cousin. So um, yeah, her cousin had to point it out to her because she thought that he was just um, yeah exa exactly. And and in the ending, you know, it might not be realistic, but I don't care. That was just that to me. That's almost you know if I was. I, I mean, I really wish Terry had seen it because to me, this is a perfect date night film. Um, it is. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just very romantic, you know. 
what can I say? I do have some romance in me, but um, I just thought, but the performances were just amazing and the music, the soundtrack, the t it's just so good. And I do hope that um, people will get turned on to it. You know, I've posted my reviews about it, hoping people will check it out and watch it because it, it deserves to be so. Um, it really does. It's a great film. It's really a good one. So the big question is, oh, what okay. you go ahead, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say, because this is kind of going into another, well, let's finish up this because I'm going to have to talk about that film I watched last night. I'm going to throw, I'm gonna throw a curveball and put in another, another film I watched. So The Bee Gees? Yes. You know, your review made me um, listen to the Saturday Night Fever uh, soundtrack. I am telling you, okay. So everybody, just so you know, we're switching gears. There's a great documentary written by, it's written and produced, or directed and produced by Frank Marshall um, about the Bee Gees. And first of all, I did not realize that the Bee Gees started out, you know, as early on as they did. For some, You know, and when, I, when you think Bee Gees, I mean, I had forgotten that Job Talking was back in like in 1975, 1974. I was nine, 10 years old at the time. They had, you know, um, hits that, were around at the time of the Beatles, Eric Clapton, when Eric Clapton was really big back with, because Eric Clapton was one of the greatest, he loves soul and R&B and has been influenced by so many of the legendary people from soul and R&B, but Eric Clapton was around, he performed in two or three different groups. Eric's one of our premier, if not one of the greatest guitar players ever lived. Um, he loved the Bee Gees. And so automatically, I think when most people hear Bee Gees, they keep thinking, they just immediately- Disco. Disco, and I mean that is um, that's a, such an unfortunate thing because, and they actually had a DJ on there on, that, on this documentary. He talked about who was a DJ. Yeah. yeah, when you yeah. When you have the biggest selling soundtrack album in history, and it's for a disco movie. I, what What are you going to expect? You are going to expect disco, yes. But I'm. But here's the thing. So, um. I'll, but it, if you think about, all right, so you, when you listen to the soundtrack, what other artists were on that on that soundtrack? Uh, you Tavares. Got, you got, got Tavares. You got the Tramps. Yeah, you got Yvonne, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Casey Band. Yvonne Elman. Oh, something happened. Uh, bless her heart, she's no longer. And what's her name, Yvonne Elman? Anyway, she's no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, what people don't realize is that the Bee Gees loved R&B and soul music as well. And that was one of the things they had wanted to do was to try to find a way to blend in and not copy it, but because they respected soul and R&B music so much, they wanted to be able to contribute to something to it. And um, so it goes into a lot of that background in the documentary. About let me correct, let me correct something. It was the biggest selling movie soundtrack in history until, the, time. until the Bodyguard came out. Now it's is now the bodyguard is number one and Saturday Night Fever is number two. The bodyguard has beaten Saturday Night Fever. The bodyguard sold, believe it or not, the bodyguard sold forty million copies. Oh, okay. Well, uh, all right. I'm not sure that I'm like that, but you know, <laughs> I, okay. Well, whatever. Because uh, I honestly, that's not a movie I was really much of a fan of either, to be honest with you. So, but um, now don't get me wrong, I love me with some Whitney Houston, and I love her rendition of "I Will Always Love You." That, don't, that's, that, that's, that's why. That, that's that's the that's, main. That's the classic, and I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna try to touch that. I mean, you cannot. Well, although I did see Jesse J performing as well, and she she almost emulates Whitney Houston to a T. 
Let's not even go there. Let's not even go there. Yeah, about to think that could go down another path. But anyway, but no, I really do think uh, if anybody's interested in a very good, well-made documentary, um, it's, you know, it's sad because Morris, and I always thought his name was Maurice, but you hear Barry Gibb calling him Morris. Right. Um, yeah, the exactly. Morris Robin. Wait, were you were you surprised when you found the first time you found out that they were Australian? Yes. Yeah, me too. I was. I didn't. I did not realize that. Um, well, I always called him Maurice. I did not realize that he was married to Lulu. Oh. Um, have you ever heard of Lulu? No. You know that. You know that movie to serve with love. Yeah. With, okay. The, the song. The, the song to serve with love. Uh, Lulu was Lulu performed that, and she was a big. Um, she was big in England as a um, solo singer, and um, but yeah, but they got married. Didn't know that. I did not know they broke up at one point in time in the late sixties. They and uh, Robin and Barry apparently had big issues with each other because there was so much internal turmoil and competition about who was supposed to be the lead singer. Which ones? Which ones were the twins? Uh, Who's the the oldest one? Uh, is the only one that's still uh, I want to say it was. Uh, oh man, why'd you ask that? Cause they mentioned it now. I can't remember. I think the the oldest brother is the only one that's still alive, right? Yeah, Barry. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin and Mar and Morris were twins. Yeah, I think that's them. Yeah, and, and it was Andy, very. And Andy uh, gave some hits, even though he wasn't in the group. He had a bunch of hits too. Right. Yeah, Robin and Robin and Morris were the twins, and Barry was three years older. And then you had Andy, which you know, and and they did introduce Andy and 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 brought him into light into the. Um, Wasn't he? Didn't he used to date um, Olivia Newton-John? Andy. No, he dated the lady from Dallas. What is her name? Redheaded. Uh, Victoria Principal. Yes. Yes. In fact, I read something one time where she tried to stop him from the dangerous stuff he was doing with the drugs. He got addicted to cocaine and hung around with the wrong people. And she tried to help him straighten out his life. And unfortunately, and, I, and he did eventually quit, but the damage had been done to his heart and he had a heart attack at the age. He was only 30 years old when he died. And he had had at one time, the BGs and Andy Gibb had like, six of the top 10, either top 10 or top 10, 15 songs on the top 100. It was crazy. Andy Gibbs' big song was Shadow Dancing, I think. Shadow Dancing, um, something about something sticking in water, but blood, love is sticking in water, blood is sticking in water. Um, he had four or five big hits. But um, I've forgotten those, some of the songs that the Bee Gees sang. Um, and, and the other thing that was so interesting was one of the drummers in this that they had, he was with, the, he was with, he performed with them from 74 to 79. They were just doing the songs for Saturday Night Fever. And by that time, the BGs had all moved to Miami and they were loving the Miami, um, sun and the locale and they loved the, the whole environment. But one of the drummers that they, that was part of the, what they called the band at the time, his mother, I think, had had a stroke, so he had to go back to England. Well, instead of bringing in um, another drummer, these two musicians, these producers, I, I, and I cannot tell you their name, you'll have to look it up, came up with an absolutely, Terry and I were just, my, our mouths were just open. They came up with a genius way of recreating 
what appeared to be like the drumming sound for one of the songs. And I want to say it's either Staying Alive or Night Fever. But anyway, they manually created the sounds on those on that song by taking different pieces and splicing tape, literally splicing tape, you know, the recording uh, tape and putting it all together. And that's what produced that sound. And even when the drummer came back and heard it, he was just, he was blown away. He said it was absolutely amazing that they could do that. So I don't know if they still do that today in this day and time. How they, but anyway, I told Terry, I said, that is an artist and that is a genius because who would have thought of that and being able to do it? So Sounds like it took forever to make a song doing it. Well, it, they, they, it, was a, it was a good insight into what, because the brothers bounced off each other. Every song they wrote, they bounced off each other to make sure it was right. Um, Morris himself, because they took and did an interview from 1999 where they interviewed the BGs. So they had to use old footage to get their story on it. But um, they, Morris even said that he was the one that was the go-between with, with his brothers. I just, who, I had no idea there was such animosity and it's not that they didn't love each other in fact at the end Barry Gibbs said that you know he would give anything he would give every hit back every hit song back if he could just have his brothers back because now he says he's you know he's he's by himself he's living his life out without his brothers very it's very it's very good but it's a great great insight and you know they should not be known just for you know as, as disco but the, that whole I remember reading so many times about the whole baseball stadium when they were going to do a disco disco sucks and they were going to blow up disco records and they did that i think it was 19 was it that the day that disco died supposedly that was the day disco died and that's right after that is when because they were in fact i think it was 1981 because they were on their tragedy tour and they came to columbia and i actually remember going i was in high school and my cousin and i and a couple other people went and saw them while they were on that tour and it was not long after that when disco just everything just stopped Absolutely stopped. So, and and but what I love about it is this, this documentary is they interview, interviewed a guy who was the he was a DJ for Studio Fifty Four. And if anybody remembers back in Studio Fifty Four day, um, I mean that was like the pr premier club that all the celebrities went to to try to get into. Um, and a little side note, um, Sheik wrote a song about not being admitted into Studio Fifty Four. Um, they went. They went freak out. Was that was yeah. that freak out? Yeah, but was it was. Quite, but it was actually they used different lyrics originally. Yeah, <laughs> they changed that. They changed it to. But so, they couldn't do that. Um, which I saw. I saw, I saw that on. Uh, I think it was behind the music. Yeah, I love um, Sheet by the way. There and now Rogers is is just amazing. He's a brilliant person. But anyway. All right. So that, what you were talking about in the baseball stadium, that was July 12th. Yeah. So anyway, so, um, so that was supposed to be the day that the disco died. I remember the BJs being on tour. And then after that, um, oh, but the, this DJ said that the reason that he, he hated the term disco anyway, because he said it was, it limited the music because the music itself was not, um, bad like people made it out to be it was great songs being written but then you had stuff come out that some stupid stuff like when he said how do you say he said it's a money machine it's like anything else if disco something is good you're going to take duck. you're going to you're going to make music on money off of it they took disco duck they took um exercise videos exercise things you know disco this disco that and they just ran into the ground and that's why people got sick of it and that's now, what i saw i saw i don't remember the name of it but i saw a documentary years ago where they said that um a lot of the hate against disco 
was um, might have been racially motivated and also um, discriminatory because the disco's primary the disco artists at least in the beginning were primarily African American. Yeah. Uh, a lot, this, of the, a lot of the hate was supposedly fueled by discrimination. Well, and you hit on a very good point. In fact, somebody else interviewed in this documentary was one of the, he was a 14-year-old kid who got his start, or he got hired to work as, um, to help out with the stadium where the, where the event was going to take place where that DJ blew up other's records. And if people were bringing records in, and they showed copies, they even had Stevie Wonder <laughs> records that people were bringing. Wow. It's like, what does Stevie Wonder have to do with the Bee Gees in any way at all? I mean, right. how could that even be construed as a disco? Stevie Wonder never touched disco. I mean, in I terms of, not that I know of, unless you knew of a song that he did, or if he tried to fit into that genre, I, 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 that'd be news to me. me but too. you could see, but you're right, because the guy said he kept noticing that all the records that the people were bringing, and of course the majority of the people in the stadium were white, were mostly um art, black artist i mean and it, it but yeah it it definitely touched on that and it touched on the dj from studio, uh, studio 54 talked about the fact that disco actually started off as a as an underground thing for in the gay clubs and that's where the music generated from and because of the beat and it was fast it was fast moving it was good dancing music people loved it and that's what that's what kind of generated from so um but my whole point of this is going back. It's a great documentary. The BJ BGs definitely, um, thankfully, were recognized from the Hall of Hall of Fame, and um, uh, inducted into that <coughs> because they just definitely touched on more than just just music. Fanatic Fever was not their only the only thing they should be known for. So, but very very informative, very good, uh, very good show, very good film. So, um, do you put? These, these last three movies that you talked about, Soul, Sylvie's Love, and uh, what is it? How to Mend the Broken Heart? How, that... to How to Mend the Broken Heart, yeah, by the, the so BG. Are, they, are those movies in your, um, do they make your top 10 list for 2020? Gosh, I got to think back on what all I've seen so far this year, but. I know, I'm, I don't even have to ask. I know The Way Back is high on your list. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that's top five, way back to top five. Um, I would say definitely Sylvie's Love and Soul would be in my top ten. Um, I think this documentary is good. Um, it, it's probably in the top 15, because um, I've still got so many things i got left to watch. Well, of course, for 2020, yeah, I've got to make, I've got to play some catch-up, because I haven't really watched, it's only been in the last week or two that I've to try to take away from, you know, try to keep my mind off of my mother's passing and stuff that I've been trying to focus on some films and stuff um, to just kind of help me get through it. Um, Sylvie's Love and Soul are definitely the top 10, um, okay. without a doubt. And Way Back is top five. Love, love Way Back. Well, you know, there was, they didn't announce that um, they're going to push, they're going to, for, for this year alone, they're going to allow movies that come out in the early part of 2021, up up through February, I think, they're gonna allow 2021 movies to be eligible for Oscar nominations. Mm. Because, uh, Why? Because there was such a, you know, the theater shutdowns, everything was um, pushed back. So they're gonna, um, 
I don't, I, you know, a lot of movies did come out this year, so it doesn't make complete sense, but. Um, I, I'm, I'm got to disagree with that, so. Yeah, I, I, that I, makes no sense because then, what's then what? Then what? What do you do next year? What do you exactly? How are you going to follow up years after that? That makes no sense. Yeah. I, I, no, I don't like that. I don't like it either. because it's a studio's decision whether or not to release a song in the in I mean a movie in the year twenty twenty or not. Right, and you could release it uh, to streaming, and it would people would have a chance to see it in twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. So no, I'm that stinks. I'm I'm not for that. Yeah. Uh, so what about Hollywood news? You got anything? Because I'm gonna head out here in a minute. But um, what what's going on in Hollywood? Any, have you kept up with anything? Gotcha. So in Hollywood, the big thing in Hollywood news is that Wonder Woman, in 1984. Even though HBO Max has not really released um, concrete numbers, um, so we don't really know how successful it was. They already uh, greenlit Wonder Woman three. Okay, all right. And uh, snooze, but anyway, so yeah. yeah. Um, what other news has been going on? Oh, um, Justice League, Zack Snyder, the Snyder Cut of Justice League uh, has been officially made um, canon as part of the official history of what's going on in the in the DC movies. However, executives said that um, at at Warner Brothers said that there will there are not any plans to let um, Zack Snyder complete his five movie vision because he he originally wanted to tell a, a Superman story that lasted through five movies. So far, he only completed two. When Justice League comes out in March, that'll be the third movie. But uh, the mm. Warner Brothers executives are saying that there's no plans for him to make um, the fourth and fifth movies. So. That story, for now, it seems like that story is going to end in a cliffhanger. Oh, oh, okay. Um, there's been a, there was a lot of news that you missed. Um, Disney Plus announced a whole lot of they announced ten separate Star Wars shows that are going to be coming out in the next few years. Oh my God! Okay. Now the problem with that oh. is that just two years ago. They said that um, they were going to slow down the release of Star Wars movies because they felt like audiences were having Star Wars fatigue. Do you think? Right. I mean, give me a break already. God. <laughs> oh. I mean, and y'all don't get me y'all don't get me wrong. I grew up in the at the probably the biggest height of Star Wars. You know, with the third, fourth, and uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth chapters, and loved it. I mean, but man, in but the those, last, movies, those movies came out once every three years. I mean, God, this next December 2021, they're going to be putting two different Star Wars shows out in the same month. No, all right, I'm I'm putting my foot down right now. No, that 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 should not happen. That is ridiculous. That is overkill. I mean, because I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, other news. Let me just throw this in there. All right. I thought today I meant to tell you. According to what I read, The Midnight Sky, which, and those of you who have not read my wonderful review of this film, which I'm being very sarcastic, please check it out on our 
Facebook page, uh, Cinema Fiends. Check out um, the review, not the movie. Yeah, check out my review, not the movie. Um, apparently, it is within 28 days, it's going to be the highest grossing um, film they've had on Netflix, which I don't know, again, how, they determine, how they determine numbers or whatever. Or maybe it's the most watched. I don't, I don't know. I don't believe. You're telling me that Midnight Sky yeah. is more popular than Bird Box, is more popular than um, uh, Project Power, Extraction. I am going to find this. It was on, you know, they've already, they've already flipped it, but I'm going to find this because I could not believe it when I read it. Um, and I'm just telling y'all. I think that if anybody likes this film. I think they're just trying to trick people into watching it. I, they'd have to be because I'm telling you, that's the most boring thing I have ever seen in my life. Um, I, I, I don't even know how to, yeah, just if anybody's listening to this, and hopefully you are, uh, for the just please um, read my review of it. I, I, it just, mm, it, it's just horrible. Um, <laughs> mm, that, uh, that's all I can say. Um, but um, it, uh, it, yeah, I read, um, and I want to see if I can find that article about Netflix. I'm looking real quick to see. Um, what they said today about it because I just could not believe it. I'm like, if they even come up with like an idea of a sequel or something, I'm just gonna scream. Um, oh, yeah, all right, here it is. George Clooney's directed The Midnight Sky is on course to become one of Netflix's most watched films. One of the most, not the most, yeah, not the most, but well, I mean, but you know, and they may end up saying they're saying it has a projected 72 million households are on course to watch the film in the first four weeks. They said that Netflix has confirmed that along, that along with the fact that the success is global, it has reached the number one spot overall in 77 countries and has been in the top 10 in 93 countries. Oh, because they got everybody captive at home. I'm going to tell you one thing. Then we are just all desperate for some entertainment because, right. no. Mm -mm. I, I don't trust George Clooney when it comes to sci-fi. I've already... It, uh, yeah, well, I'm gonna tell you, this is just it's. It, mm, I don't even, I don't even know how or why we even finished watching it. To be honest with you, I just I, anyway. <laughs> so uh, right, you said that you have to um, go back and check to see what um, what your favorite movies of the year are. Let, um, me, let yeah. me do, my, let me do my rundown real quick. Yeah, tell me what you got. Oh, All don't right. forget. Oh, I can tell you one already. Let him go. Right. You know how I love my let him go. Oh yeah, okay, that's on my list too. Okay. All right, so even though 2020 is just about done, that doesn't mean that all of the 2020 movies uh, should be left behind. Some of these movies are still going to be good next year. Okay. So at number 20, I have The Rental. That is Dave Franco's directorial debut. And it's about two couples who rent a seaside house for a supposedly relaxing weekend. <laughs> but uh, one of the guys, Charlie, he is creeping with his brother's, his brother Josh's girlfriend. Her name is Mina. So there's already some drama going on. Oh, I'm about to say that sounds like a given. Yeah, that wasn't bad enough. The property manager, Taylor, is racist. And later, Mina discovers a camera hidden in the shower head. Ooh, oh my gosh. But they, they're worried that um, if they confront Taylor about the camera that they found, then he'll expose their affair. So they, they, they're hesitant to say anything about it. 
But um, then Taylor, the property manager, uh, turns up murdered. So um, now, now they don't know what to do because he was the only suspect. Now wait a minute. Is this this is an this is a, this is an actual film, but it's just released on a streaming service, obviously. Oh, it, it was it wasn't really. It, it actually had its premiere at a drive-in theater. Oh, okay, okay. Because right. you know it's a hard day, hard now to determine what was actually released in a theater versus just had to be pushed straight to film. You got to you got to clarify sometimes now. So, yeah, I mean, a, I mean, straight to streaming service. So, okay. This was a theatrical release, but by this was earlier in the year, so by now it's definitely available for streaming. Okay. Okay. I got, all right, I got them on list to watch. I haven't seen that, so, okay. Number 19 is The Banker. That movie was available to stream on uh, Apple TV. Heard of that. That's on my list. I've got, I've got Apple TV Plus, so I'll be watching that. Yep. It's based on a true story about uh, Bernard Garrett and his partner, Joe Morris, uh, both uh, African-Americans who um, get rich buying real estate. Um, in 1950s Los Angeles, and eventually they buy two banks as well, using a white man as a friend. What? Yeah, right under every. Wow. Okay. Because they couldn't, as black men, they couldn't get loans, so they had to use a white man. Oh guy. my God. Okay. All right. That's that's okay. That's. And this okay. really happened. This really happened. This and uh, by the way, this movie stars. Uh, Anthony Mackie and Samuel Jackson. If that, if you need more convincing to give it a try, no, it's on my list to watch. I got it. All right, my number eighteen is a movie that I had to make an exception for. <laughs> I usually don't do musicals, but uh, Hamilton. Hamilton. Uh, I had to make an exception for Hamilton. It was it was great. It uh, it's about the it was a broad, it was originally a Broadway musical about. Uh, founding father Alexander Hamilton who was killed in the duel and it was filmed and made into a major motion picture that was released on Disney Plus and um, it was released on July 3rd and it's still on Disney Plus and it led to them getting millions of uh, subs more subscriptions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. They, they, they played it right they played it right by, by securing the right to that one so yeah and there's uh there's traditional songs as well as um hip hop songs in that are uh, in the musical and the cast is predominantly minority. Including I know people I know people that absolutely it's one of those things where people either just totally dislike it or people absolutely love it. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody that's in the middle yet. A friend of mine told me that his his friends Girlfriend, no, he told me it was his sister. A friend of mine, he told me his sister watches Hamilton, um, has been has watched Hamilton twice a week since it came out. Oh my lord! Now I'm, I mean, I'm I'm a fan, but I ain't like all up and out like that. So. And she even had a Hamilton themed birthday cake. Oh my gosh! Okay, well that's good. That's good. My number but seventeen. I, okay. Uh, oh, go ahead. What are you gonna say? No, no. I was gonna say so. Where, so that was your number eighteen pick, right? Yeah, that's eighteen. Okay. My number seventeen is called "The Devil All the Time." That is a Netflix. It was released to Netflix. It uh, oh. stars Robert Pattinson, who's one of your dudes. Yep. And Tom Holland, and it's kind of it's kind of tricky to uh, describe well, it. 
I noticed I had that when I was looking at Netflix the other night and I noticed my, my list. I was trying to remember what I'll put on there and I had put this on there. Yeah. And I had there, it. Now be warned, there is uh, a lot of there's some a lot of blood. There's uh, a couple of serial killers, there's mm. a psycho priest. Um psycho priest. Yeah, it um Oh no, I, I don't know if I can go there there then. So mm mm. Yeah, it gets a little crazy, but it is it is good. It's uh it was good enough to make number seventeen on my list. Ooh, okay, all right. My number sixteen is a movie that you're familiar with. It's Half Brothers. Yes, which, which actually did was a theatrical release about. And you remember this movie? It was about um, two brothers, one Mexican and one American, who find out that they're brothers later in life, and they end up going on a road trip. Um, going on a crazy scavenger hunt that was designed by their father. <laughs> yes. But I'm going to tell you, I have never seen a film that I really thought I was going to detest to begin with. Because I really thought the first 30 minutes, I thought, I don't know that I can sit through the rest of this film. It, it's just, it did not have any, I did not find it funny. I did not find any redeeming qualities. But then I stuck with it. And I ended up loving it because it has such a great message, and I, I just love the ending. So, yeah, and it's not, and and um, for people at home, people listening to this, uh, you may not, you're definitely not going to be laughing the whole movie either because it's not a straight comedy. It, no, no, looking for that tone from uh, comedy to drama. Yep, very well described. Yep. My number 15 is a movie that you also saw. It's I'm Your Woman. Um, that was the movie about uh, the mom <sighs> in the 70s. Who, uh, she had to get out of town when her, cause her <laughs> husband made a move on his mob boss. And she hit the road with a, a black guy in, in the organized crime named Cal. And basically, Cal had to uh, babysit Jean and Jean's baby, because Jean was kind of a mess. Mm -hmm. But she went on a uh, path of self-discovery. Just yeah. so everybody knows, I'm passing on that one. I did not love it. I'm <laughs> passing on that film. <laughs> number, 14, number 14 is called The Photograph. I heard of that one. It's on my list. The Photograph follows two couples from two separate generations as they fall in love. Uh, reporter Michael Block <clears throat> is researching photographer Christina Eames. Um, now, this was released in the theaters, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. I believe, yes, I believe. I, th I, think, I think it made at least a week at the theaters before it then got shifted over to streaming. So, Yeah, actually, it, yeah, it had a little bit of time in theaters. because Yeah, okay. Came, I think this came out on Valentine's Day. Okay, all right. So it might have had a month. Um, in, the, in theaters. But uh, so this is about a uh, reporter who's doing a story on a photographer who's passed away. And while he's doing his research, he ends up falling for the daughter of the woman he's researching. Mm. Okay. And so it's kind of like how um, Sylvie's Love was about uh, black romance in the 50s and 60s. Right, right, right. right. This is black romance in the uh, Today's time and the 80s. Hmm. Because there's a lot of uh, flashbacks to um, the, uh, May, who's um, the, the, the daughter of the photographer. There's a lot of flashbacks to 
when her mother was uh, actually falling in love herself back in the 80s. Hmm. <clears throat> That's number 14. Okay. Number 13 is Magic Camp. That never went to theaters. That was a uh, strictly Disney Plus streamer. It is uh, about a, um, a summer camp for uh, magicians, basically. And it is a comedy for all ages. Uh, and it's um, one of those movies where um, a kind of a, a slacker, loser type guy um, ends up um, hanging out with a bunch of kids. Well, I say hanging out, he's a camp counselor. Man, I never, never heard of this one, man. You got me. You got me on this one. It's it's almost like Bad News Bears, except magic instead of baseball. No, okay, eh, never mind. Okay, it is funny, and it's not just funny. It's it's completely clean because uh, there's no um, nothing objectionable in here. You kids of any age can watch this movie. Okay, now that's a plus. So good. Okay, and that's a rarity in today's time. So okay, I like that part. Um, number 12 is a documentary. I don't know if you've seen a documentary called Totally Un Under Control. The title comes from the claim that um, Donald Trump used to describe his hand administration's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't think I've heard of that yet. So currently, When was it released? It was released um, <laughs> October, I believe. Okay. Somehow that went under the radar for me too. I don't remember that. So. It's available for streaming on Hulu, um, and it kind of follows uh, how the um, presidential administration handled um, the coronavirus pandemic and in mm -hmm. contrast the way the U.S. handled it with the way South Korea handled it. And South Korea is back up and running now, and we're still shut down. Uh, yeah. So number yep. 11 is a movie that you're a big fan of. It's Let Him Go. Yes. Yes, yes. Whoop, whoop. Kevin Costner and Diane Lane are a couple again in 1963 Montana. And they go on a, almost a wild goose chase to get their uh, only grandson back from yep. his mother, who's married into a dangerous family. Absolutely. And that woman, I'm telling you, let me just interrupt Rand right now because I'm going to tell you the woman who played. The mother of those boys, or grown young men, I guess you could say. Blanche. Blanche is, she's had an American American accent, but she's originally from Britain, but she plays the heck out of that role. I love Diane Lane and Kevin Costner, but that woman, she's unbelievable. So. She's, um, she, love her. she shouldn't get nothing at all for Mother's Day. And no. Speaking of people who shouldn't get nothing at all for Mother's Day, number 10 is Run, a movie, the movie that you also saw. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. On Hulu. This was actually supposed to be released in theaters, but the, the pandemic moved it to Hulu. And it's about a woman who uh, is raising her only child, mm. a daughter who is suffering from various illnesses, and it turns out that the daughter might not be suffering from any natural illnesses at all. His mother uh, is not, there's more than meets the eye with the mother. She uh, could be tampering with um, the daughter's medications and making her sicker than she really is. Ray, well, let me just hush. But I'm just gonna say that Sarah Paulson, kudos to her, excellent performance. Again, a great 
act her. I love her. She's she's very good. And the the actress who plays the daughter, um, the character is in a wheelchair for almost all of the movie, and that part is not acting. She is actually actress also uses a wheelchair. So wow, um, that is um, yeah, and she did a great job too. I mean, not not I'm not undermining her at all. Um, great performance. The whole every performance, you know, was great. So. So number nine is um, I, I haven't seen Soul yet. So for now, number nine is the best animated movie I saw this year. It's Trolls World Tour. Oh my god, I gotta watch that. Yeah, my grandkids love anything trolls and the songs and everything. Every time I see them, I have to cut up, pull up a YouTube video of a troll song. They love it. And Trolls World Tour, just like Soul, is all about music. Yeah, well then I would love it. The story itself is about uh, music and the importance of music uh, to absolutely. Yeah. So number eight is the Lovebirds, which the Lovebirds. Uh, the Lovebirds was supposed to have a theatrical release, but the pandemic um, got it pushed to immediately to streaming. It's on Netflix. It uh, is about. Mm. A couple who've been seeing each other for four years and um, you know things start to fizzle out a little bit so they in the relationship right before they witness a homicide and then they get caught up oh I know what you're talking about yes 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 so so after getting caught up in the murder mystery Jabron and Leilani realize they need to put their differences aside and work together in order to survive but don't let that um, description fool you. This is a straight-up comedy. Okay. It is hilarious. Number seven is currently the highest-grossing North American movie of the year, Bad Boys for Life. Have you seen it yet? Oh, yeah, you did see yeah, it. Yeah, we did review. What you talking about? Are you crazy? We did a review on it. You just didn't see the first two. That's, is that I didn't see the first two. Yes, that movie as of right now has grossed over $206 million and it's the number one highest ranking. That's that's only what it grossed domestically. Look at how much. Oh, yeah, that's domestic. That's domestic. Worldwide, it made over $400 million. Yeah, so domestic, you know, that's crazy. Bad Boys for Life is the third in the uh, third movie about uh, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith, uh, police partners in Miami. a lot of things that uh, from the past come back to haunt them. Mainly Will Smith's character, Mike Lowry. Uh, he finds out that he has a, a son that he never knew about with a um, drug queen pen. And um, the two of them come back for revenge. And it takes a toll on uh, his whole life and his career. A lot of shooting, a lot of laughs. Uh, check it out. I highly recommend it. Number six is Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks. And this is available for streaming on Apple TV. It never hit theaters. It went straight to streaming. And this is uh, Tom Hanks, uh, is it his second World War II movie? I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as being a part of, yeah. As far as acting in, you mean? I think as far as acting in, yeah. Yeah, so um, while Saving Private Ryan was about uh, troops on the ground, in World War II, Greyhound is about uh, the Navy, and uh, 
Tom Hanks is a Navy commander whose mission it is to protect a merchant ship convoy from German submarines during the Battle of the Atlantic in 1942. Very good. Saw that one. Yep. Now Thank we you. get into the top five. Mm -mm. Here we go. What do you think made it to the top five on my list? Oh, my gosh. But I so, Well, see, so far I've only seen one, two, three, four, five, six. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the films that you've seen. Number, seven five, number five you have seen as well. Number five is Hashtag Alive. Oh, you, you, I knew it was going to be up here. I knew it was going to be on this film, but yes, totally agree. Hashtag Alive is a zombie apocalypse uh, movie. Oh, and I know what your number one is going to be, but you go ahead. Keep on going. I don't think you do. Yeah, I do. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. All right, so um, Hashtag Alive is set in South Korea. and it's, uh, We focus on a college student who is... Uh, Isolated and quarantined is in his apartment um, while the zombie apocalypse rages around him. Number four is The New Mutants. It actually did make it to theaters after uh, being delayed for two whole years. Um, <clears throat> so The New Mutants um, is the final X-Men movie. Um, that we were going to be seeing until the X-Men are rebooted in the uh, MCU, which probably will not happen before the year 2024. So let me ask you a question. Let me stop you right there. When you say re rebooted, do you mean they're going to redo what has already been done with different characters, different people, actors, or is this a new storyline? I think they're going to have totally new storylines, but they will have, um, I believe they will recast every single. Oh, my God. What? Oh. Yeah. Oh. You gotta think about it. A lot of the a lot of the old cast members, um, they're showing like take Hugh Jackman for instance. He he Hugh Jackman played Wolverine and he's in what his fifties now? I think so. It's time you they, they gotta get some new blood in there. <sighs> oh my god, how many comic book characters and movies can Hollywood make? Okay, anyway. <sighs> All right. So uh, that was number four, right? Yeah, that, that was number four. Yeah, that was number four. Number three, um, you still need to go out and see number three. Number three is Tenet, which also. Oh, you shot me, yeah, because I thought that was going to be your number one. Okay, no. all right. Tenet also made it to theaters uh, this past September. It is basically Christopher Nolan's um, version of a James Bond movie, but you know because it's Christopher Nolan, there's also some. Um, some uh, plot twists and some sci-fi thrown in there. Too. Now, do you? I have to just mention this as a side sidebar. But do you know what movie has actually grossed more money than Tenet has right now? Um, well, a Hollywood movie. Hollywood movie. We're talking domestic gross, of course. Okay, the only movie that grossed, the only Hollywood movie that grossed more than uh, Tenet this year is Bad Boys for Life. Well, if you go out and look at what worldwide. The Worldwide. I'm, telling now, I'm talking domestic. This is going through. Uh, you know what? They don't have a list on here, but as far as a specific date, but number eight is tenant as far as domestic gross. Doolittle made $77 million. Yeah, see, I didn't pay attention to that because worldwide. <laughs> 
Worldwide, Tenant made $362 million. Yeah. And Doolittle made, <laughs> made $250 million worldwide. See, wow. I, I, I was paying attention to the worldwide grosses because not every country was in the same shape. Some countries have uh, theaters. Yeah, that, well, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Well, you, all right, so you surprised me. I thought Tenant was going to be number one on your list. And now I'm really going to be surprised now. I can't wait to find out what your number two and number one are. And by the way, my top five are all movies that I would actually, let me see. Yeah, my, no, I'm a, my top 10 are all movies that I have no problem watching again. Mm, I, okay. Yeah. Wow. So my, my number two movie is Extraction. Extraction was not a theatrical release. It, okay. I believe Extraction was always supposed to. Um, I think you're right. It was always supposed to go to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And Extraction is uh, stars Chris Hemsworth in a non-superhero role. It is a straight-up action, shoot-em-up uh, extravaganza about a mercenary who gets hired to rescue the son of a, a drug kingpin in India. Uh, who was kidnapped by his his father's rivals? So mm. yeah, there's a whole lot of shooting, and it does not look like um, a Netflix movie. It looks like it should have been in, in the theaters. Hmm. And uh, it was directed by the Russo brother. Wait a minute, I don't know if it was directed by the Russo brothers or produced by the Russo brothers. Yeah. but that's the same um, filmmaking team that uh, directed some of the biggest. Um, Marvel movies like um, Infinity War, Captain America, Civil War, The Winter Soldier, and the highest grossing movie of all time, Endgame. So they what know. Was how, what, what was they the highest? Know, Endgame made more than $2.7 billion. Oh, God. Okay. They know how to do action. All right. I'll take your word for it. My number <laughs> one movie is also a Netflix. Uh, movie, Project Power, starring Jamie Foxx. Project about, Powers. Project Power is about okay. um, a guy, Jamie Foxx plays a guy who uh, comes to New Orleans hunting down a uh, mysterious organization that's putting um, a new drug on the street that allows you to uh, gain, to unlock a special ability in your DNA for Five minutes at a time, and um, this movie has a, there's a lot of mysteries to get uncovered in this movie. So I don't want to say, well, you know what? The movie came out months ago, so I guess I can spoil it. So uh, Jamie Foxx's daughter was kidnapped by this organization, and they've been um, experimenting on her because she had a um, she had a, a power that um, was useful to them, and. Um, he ends up teaming up with jo J Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's a local police officer who also uses the drug to help him fight crime. Because his the power that he unlocks is uh, invincibility. So he gets five minutes of invincibility, which helps him when he's bringing down bank robbers and stuff and gangbangers and stuff like that. Wow. And um, even though they had half the budget of, uh, of your average um, superhero movie, mm -hmm. they have... Um, they have the same amount of action. It, it's it, it looks like it should have been in theaters. It's crazy. Hmm. Check it out. Well, 
I am quite shot. I thought Tenant was going to be number one. Um, one Tenet, film. Tenet, Tenet is good, but um, I would watch, um, and I would definitely watch Tenant again. I've only seen it once. I, I want to see it again, but I watched uh, Project Power like three or four times already, and I still would watch oh it. Oh my again. gosh. Okay. Well, the only thing I, I've got to go through and look at my stuff, looking through what I've listed, what I've what I consider to be my top 20. Um, Sorry to say that um, The Way Back did not make my top 20. Oh my gosh, how could you not even... Oh gosh, okay. Um, well, one you did not even mention because I don't know that you've watched it because we haven't talked about it, but one I will mention that another one with a screening that I thank God I was able to watch through that was Sound of Metal, which yeah, is... I haven't seen that. Absolutely. That performance by Riz Ahmed is just killer. Um, great film. It is just, oh my God, it's about music. I don't know what it is. You know, I'm a music lover and anything about music or associated with music is going to typically, you know, pull me in and hook me. And, um, and this one did it. And um, great film. It's so, I, I don't even think it's listed on the top 20 as far as, movie rankings or whatever so but you know I, I did see i did see sound of metal on a couple of um professional critics um year end lists already yeah so. there's some that love it and then there's some that talk about how slow the movie is and how it's such a snail's pace but i mean it's not this is a human life story this is not an action film for god's sake this is not one of these 150 million dollar budget movies that you know everybody clamors to go to to see and you know, this is it's, this is just. I mean, this man lose is losing his hearing. He well, he does lose his hearing, and he's having to adjust to life. He's a musician. He's having to adjust to life without being able to hear. I mean, what do you do as a musician if you can't even hear the music? Um, did this movie? Let me ask you this: Did this movie need to be a movie, or would it have been better off as a book? No, it's it needs to be a movie. Because the performance, his performance, he learned to play the drums. He learned sign language. He brings, he, he is just amazing. In fact, I, I would be shocked if he does not get recognized for his performance. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely is a film. I mean, he makes it. And yes, some people might say uh, it falls in the kind of like the little uh, lifetime story, you know, type thing. But that's, that's well, it is a good now you're making me not want to see it. No, it's not. No, I'm telling you, he he is just heads full of. He's determined he's going to make it, and then he, and then he gets to where he wants to, and, and some realizations happen that you know change some things, and it just ends so well. I mean, it's amazing. Is this one of those movies that that I referenced earlier, where um, the the main character decides at the end that he's going to give up his dream and he's going to be a teacher? <laughs> no, but that's not like this. It's it's not. I promise you. So, um, yeah. So you got me with things down. I've got to watch the sound of metal when you got to watch. So, do you have uh, time to hear my uh, top twenty TV shows? Yeah, we can run through them. Yeah, what you got? Let's do it. Now, when you say TV show, what do you what you better cl all right, classify? I some there are some. Um, Whole entire. Si I'm not gonna do 20. I'm gonna do maybe uh, 10. Hit me with your top 10. What'd so you uh, there are some uh, some stuff that I like 
the whole, the whole season that I will recommend. Mm -hmm. Other things where I only recommend uh, a specific episode. Television. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So, um, you know what? I'll give you. Uh, I'll start with um. Can I can I give you sixteen? Start with yeah, 16. yeah, yeah. Give me what you got. I'm right. right. I'm right. I'm writing these down because I am using it as a reference. You know. So okay. So my number sixteen um, television episode. This is just an episode. I don't recommend the entire season. Is an episode of a, a series called Monsterland that debuted. It's on uh, Hulu, and um, the episode is called Pal Palacios, Texas. Each mm -hmm. episode is named after a city in in the U.S. Hmm, okay. So, so this episode was is about a um, a guy um, who uh, makes his living as a fisherman in this Texas town. He actually was um, on the cleanup crew. Uh, from an oil spill, and he actually got um, sprayed with chemicals, and he, I think he lost an eye, and he was, he oh. also got, uh, yeah, he got real sick, um, and he got um, a settlement from the uh, oil company, I believe, but, you know, that doesn't make up for the loss of, um, you know, health, and so one day he's on the beach, and he, he sees a, uh, something laying in the sand, he can't really tell what it is at first, it turns out that it is actually a mermaid. So he uh, wraps the, mer the unconscious mermaid up, throws it in the back of his truck, and takes it home. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is not – now, when I say mermaid, this is more in line with the um, the historical uh, version of mermaids. This is not Ariel or the chick from Splash. <laughs> this, is, this is more like uh, the, the mermaids that uh, Ulysses had to deal with. They're oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, they're basically monsters who uh, mm. live in the sea and they eat, uh, they're man-eaters. And they'll tell you to shreds. Okay. Yeah. She, has, oh she has sharp teeth. She doesn't speak any English and she uh, she acts like an animal. But he um, takes care of her and feeds her raw meat and they start bonding. And um, one night he falls asleep and uh, when he wakes up, there's a knock at the door. He goes and answers the door, and there's a beautiful woman standing there. And um, it takes him a while to figure out who it is, but it's the mermaid. He looks over, because he had a, a tank built in his house for her. Um, oh big enough for a whole yeah. person to fit in. And um, he looks oh. over, the tank. the tank is empty. So he knows it's her. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And they, they start, they basically have date night, and they... Um, you know, they get to know each other better and mm. they talk and they um, get physical. And um, then um, what happens? Uh, there's another knock on the door and it's his neighbors who know that uh, he's got a mermaid in there. Oh my God. And they're hurting for money. So they want to sell the mermaid to uh, like a site, to like a pharmaceutical company or like a lab or something like that. So they can, they can get paid for um, to let scientists dissect her, but he refuses and he runs them off. And um, he goes back inside, and he goes over to the, the the mermaid. When he gets back inside, the mermaid's back in the tank, and she looks normal again, like you know, like looking like more like a monster than a beautiful woman. So he walks over to the tank, and she she's not speaking with her mouth this time. Now she's um, 
Because the only time she was talking to him with her mouth was um, when she came to the door. So now she's speaking to him uh, telepathically. He can, he can hear her words in, her, in his head. She tells him that, um, you know, she, she came to his world to join him for the night. And now he should, um, you know, take a chance and join her in her world. Yep. Get <laughs> in the tank with me. So um, he leans over and he puts his face into the water, and she don't even. She bites his face off and the face to black. I I kind of told you the whole episode, didn't I? Yeah. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And uh, number fifteen is another episode of Monsterland. This one is called Eugene, Oregon. This one is about a, um, it's like a metaphorical um, story where this, um, this white guy who's kind of like a loner and outsider, he, um, he lives with his mom in a trailer. They have no money. He's, um, he's doing terrible in school because he can't, he has to, you know, make money so he can't go to, go to class like a normal student should be able to. And, but he's smart. He just, you know, he can't go to class, um, he, he just can't make it to class every day. And okay. <clears throat> so then he, sp he, but he spends a lot of time online and he starts meeting these people online who turn out to be a part of a group. And they let him know that um, they, they're, um, they, they are looking out for shadows and shadows are monsters who um, they're up to no good and they, uh, all they do is corrupt uh, innocent people and they uh, make life harder for them. And um, then, uh, and he sees one of the shadows in his house one night. Oh my God. Uh. Briefly, briefly. And so he bonds with the people in this group. And basically, like I said, it was a metaphor. Basically th this um, group that he meets online, it's, uh, it's basically a, um, white supremacist group. Oh my God, oh no. Yeah, the, the shadows, the shadow monsters are metaphors for minorities. And so oh they- Oh my gosh. The episode shows you how these groups, um, how good they are at recruiting people. Mm. Number 14 is a documentary series called The Last Narc. I watched Ooh, the whole- I do want to see that, yeah. Entire season was good. This is about a. If you anybody watched um, the last uh, season of Narcos Mexico, where um, they um, um, the Mexican a Mexican cartel, I think it was the Guadalajara, Guadalajara cartel. They kidnapped a DEA agent named Enrique Enrique Kiki Camarena and tortured and murdered him back in 1985. Ugh. This documentary. Um, they sit down and interview um, actual um, Mexican police officers who were working for the, some of them were working for the cartel. One of them remained cleaned and he didn't, uh, he w never got corrupted. But several of the um, cops who work for the cartel sit down for interviews and you hear it out of their own mouths about, you know, what they saw, what they participated in. Mm -hmm. And so it's, um, it's not it is it, it's it's kind of uh it's it's heavy you know it's definitely not anything lighthearted um but it is uh it seems pretty factual because the stuff that they're saying you wouldn't you you wouldn't expect anybody 
it's not making them look good. I'll put it that way. Right, so, right. So yeah, I, I kind of believe what they had to say. Wow. Uh, number 13 is a miniseries called Black Narcissus. That was on, it's on Hulu. It's streaming on uh, Hulu. This is oh, actually a, a remake. Yes, yeah, a remake of a miniseries, I believe from the 70s. I, I'm not sure. But it's I about, think I heard that. yeah, it's about a group of nuns who um, <clears throat> start up a convent in the Himalayas, I believe, and mm-hmm. uh, the head sister and a couple of the other nuns, they have to um, wrestle with um, temptation because uh, there's this um, this guy who lives in the town where they set up shop. And, um, you know, he's the only, he's one of the few men that's around. And so, you know, of course, being nuns, they're not supposed to be uh, doing certain things, but... Um, Temptation is uh, mm. right around the corner. Well, okay. So, um, number 12 is the Hardy Boys. I don't know how you feel about the Hardy Boys. <laughs> but the this, Hardy is Boys. this is a new version. It's streaming on Hulu. And it's set in the, 19, the early 1980s. And there's also a supernatural, a, a sort of a supernatural vibe to it. So, it, it reminded me of Stranger Things. Because you got um, teenagers solving mysteries in the 1980s, and there's a little bit of supernatural stuff involved. But um, anybody who's not familiar with the Hardy Boys, this is like an old, old story about there's a remade over and over again about these two brothers who um, solve crimes. And um, their father is a police officer, in this particular version, their mother was a reporter, but a story that she was working on um, kind of came back to haunt her, and she ended up um, getting killed in a car crash. But mm. uh, brothers suspect that it was not really an accident. So, while the, and the father feels the same way. So while the father uh, leaves town following clues, the brothers decide they're going to do their own investigation in town. And some of the clues lead them to their very own family. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I may have to watch that. Number 11 is uh, just one. It's a special that aired on um, ABC. It's uh, called Chadwick Boseman, A Tribute for a King. This was basically a um, short documentary about the late, great Chadwick Boseman's life and career. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I hate – and you know what? I hate I missed that. Okay. And I actually I didn't see it on ABC. I saw it on Hulu. So you might it might still be streaming on. Hulu. Okay. So yeah, it, he, um, most people know that Chadwick Boseman uh, played Black Panther in the movies, and he tragically died uh, from colon cancer um, this past was it this summer? I think so. Yeah. So yeah, this this special just highlights uh, his life. He he was only he was in his um his early forties. Um, and the sad thing is that um, it's um, colon cancer is a big killer among uh, amongst men and um, African American men. But um, medical mm-hmm. the medical community doesn't even recommend that you get tested until you're forty five. And he was not yet forty five when he was diagnosed. Mm. So uh, now we're into the top 10. 
Number 10 is a series called Baghdad Central. This is also available on Hulu. Um, this is kind of one of a kind, at least in my experience. This is set in 2003 after the fall of Saddam Hussein. And uh, what makes this different from most mystery shows is that the main character is an Iraqi detective. Uh, after a uh, former police officer, now I might jack this name up, but um, I'm going to try to pronounce it. Musin al-Kafaji, after his daughter goes missing, his college-age daughter goes missing, he um, tries to find out, track her down, find out where she is, what happened to her. And he has to deal with uh, local gangsters, mercenaries, and U.S. troops who are all uh, oh. hostile towards him in the green zone. You heard of that? I think I have heard of this. I, I recommend it. Check it out. Okay. Thriller series. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be good. Okay. All right. What's next? Number, number nine is an episode of the show 2020. And it's called Stacy Stites, The Girl in the Pines. Wait a minute, is this the one you told me about? No, this is one that I didn't get around to telling you about. Okay. Uh, but of course, 2020 um, follows actual real true crime stories. And this was about a, um, a white woman who ended up getting um, murdered. She was found murdered and um, a black man, a local black man, Rodney Reed, he was um, arrested, charged, convicted, and sentenced to death row for the crime. However, um, there's a lot of uh, evidence that points to his innocence. And um, Stacy Stites, the victim, her fiance at the time, who was actually a police officer, um, a lot of clues that turned up made him look not so good. Mm. So um, as far as I know, Rodney Reed was, um, he was given a um, stay of execution, but he, um, as far as the um, episode of 2020 goes, he was still incarcerated at the end. Um, but mm. uh, yeah, he, from what I saw, he did not do it. Um, so, we don't, so we don't know what. I didn't want to ruin the, I didn't want to spoil um what okay. actually took place. Okay, all right. But, yeah, but Rodney Reed, yeah, Rodney Reed, who's sitting on death row for, for the crime, he did not do it. What's the episode again, number? It's called uh, Stacy Stites, The Girl in the Pines. Okay. That's number nine. Okay. Now, number eight is the one I told you about. Oh, okay. Number eight is an episode of 2020 called A Tangled Web. Yeah, that sounds like crazy. Yeah, A Tangled Web is about a real-life love triangle uh, where one, two women were seeing one man. Uh, one woman was getting stalked and harassed by the other woman. But, um, and the, the, the woman who was doing the harassing, she uh, disappeared from town. And she, but she continued to um, make harassing phone calls and emails and text messages. Um, but eventually, um, during the investigation, it, it looked like um, maybe uh, things weren't what they seemed because um, 
the um, and then the police began to question whether the woman who was actually uh, doing the harassing was actually even still alive. Oh my gosh! I'll leave you with that. Mm, dang. This is also streaming on Hulu. It's called, again, the title is A Tangled Web, and it's an episode of 2020. Okay. It's better than a, it's better than a movie. It's better than a lot of novels. It is, wow. It's got that many twists and turns in it, and it really happened. <laughs> God. Okay. All right. Number seven is a limited series that's also streaming on Hulu. It's called A Teacher. I highly, okay. you know what? I if I had a if I had time to to think about this list a little bit more, I'll probably mm. um, put this higher on the list. Okay. But, so a teacher uh, focuses on the in inappropriate relationship mm. between a school teacher and a student, but uh, in this case, unlike a lot of the um, stories that you hear um, in headlines nowadays, this abuse of power and sexual misconduct story involves a uh, female teacher and a male student. And um, mm. yeah, it's pretty bad. She, um, <laughs> she's oh. very inappropriate. She um, basically, they show you step by step how she grooms this kid oh. into being her, um, I, I, I feel weird saying lover. Um, and, well, and I'll have you know that um, she's she's um, portrayed by uh, Kate Mara, if you're familiar with that actress. Yeah, yeah. You know, the teacher is uh, attractive and married, so you, you know, like, you go figure why she even went this route. Wow, okay. Uh, number six is Party of Five. And um, this is a 2020 list, so this has nothing to do with Jennifer Love Hewitt or... Um, I was just ready to sit here and say, are you kidding me? So, no, they, okay. completely, they completely redid the whole series. The only... The, the, now, the central part of the story is the same. A, um, a family of five siblings has to um, live, on the, live together on their own without their parents. But in the original series from the 90s, the um, kids um, were orphans because their parents died, I think, in a car accident. The difference mm. in this one is this is about a Mexican family, Mexican-American family, and the parents are still alive, but the parents don't have, um, are not citizens, and they end up getting deported back to Mexico. And that's why the kids have to... Um, oh, wow, okay. And the, um, and the kids don't even have the same... Um, citizenship status. The oldest kid, the one who's taking care of everybody, um, his name is Emilio. He, his whole life was uh, upended because he was a 24-year-old um, rock musician. He was the lead singer in a rock band. And now he's got to take care of his four uh, younger brothers and mm, sisters. Wow. Okay. And, run, and run the family restaurant. And he's not, he doesn't, he's not a citizen either. He has, um, DACA status. So his, um, you know, his status is a little shaky too. Mm. You know, because that was a big issue in the last couple of years that the, the laws could uh, be changed and um, people in his position could be deported as well. Oh my, okay. All right, so now we get down to number five. Number five is a um, 
is a segment, uh, is an episode of a um, series on BET. Um, the, this one, the, the, the show focuses on um, different record labels. It's a docu-series mm -hmm. about um, different record labels. Mm -hmm. This focus on No Limit. No Limit Records. Um, and then it's about the rise and fall of um, Master P, better, um, who's also known as Percy Miller, who created a music empire. Uh, he went from a poor Catholic mm -hmm. school kid in the projects to a business mogul and a multimillionaire. Mm. And the story is told through firsthand interviews from uh, Master P's family and friends, as well as several No Limit Records rappers, uh, including Snoop Dogg. Oh, wow. Mm. Number four is a limited series called Little Fires Everywhere. Oh, uh, yeah. I did see that one. Yeah, I know you're familiar with this. This is, a, I think this is based on a book. Yeah, it's, uh, it is. it's based on a 2017 best-selling book of the same name about a um a black woman who moves to uh shaker heights ohio and um she and her teenage daughter end up getting tangled up with a wealthy white family um and so it focuses on uh white privilege racism toxic femininity and suburban secrets in uh, in suburban ohio and the book is they did an excellent job of bringing the book to life so by the way because i had show, read the book first and the show is excellent as well yes very good uh, number three is um part of that same bet series except this episode focused on the rough riders record label which is home to dmx um deluxe um swiss beats uh eve and more and this this gets into this shows you how uh, Rough Riders was um, created, and um, it also goes into the rise and fall of that record label. Uh, number two is an episode of the docu series The Last Dance, which was about the um, Chicago Bulls, the nineteen ninety eight Chicago Bulls. Oh yeah, okay. This the I focus on the episode that made my list is episode two which focused on Scottie Pippen, who was um, basically uh, like Michael Jordan's uh, wingman, who was instrumental in um, Michael Jordan and the Bulls' successes. Um, and like I say, this episode focused mainly on Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan took a back seat. During so what season. did you think about the whole docuseries overall? Um, it's a good docuseries, but um, um, I think that this episode, the episode about Scottie Pippen, um, kind of outshined the uh, the rest of it. Mm, wow. Okay. It's a lot of stuff that I didn't know that uh, was kind of eye opening. Mm. Now my number one pick is a uh, short uh, special comedy special that um, Dave Chappelle actually released on YouTube. So you can check this out on YouTube. Um, it's called 846, and it was titled after the amount of time that a uh, Minneapolis uh, police officer um, held, held his knee to um, George Floyd, who was uh, handcuffed and uh, subdued on the ground, face down on the ground. He actually died in police custody. Dave Chappelle um, weighed in on it and gave his opinions on um, 
uh, what happened to George Floyd, uh, racism, and um, the protests that followed. Mm, dang. I mean, Dave Chappelle, we all know the comedian. Does he, he doesn't make light of anything, does he? I mean, how does he? It, he's, he's a comedian, but he, um, a lot of his work involves uh, social commentary, kind of like uh, George Carlin. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, yep. Yeah, he got very serious uh, during this special. Yeah. Mm. What is going on? With Sorry. Um, and it's on YouTube. He says, yeah, he said in his um, during the special that he wanted to, you know, at first he he you know he and other celebrities really didn't know how to respond, and also they some he he and other celebrities felt like they should take a step back and let the um, people take charge because um, the protests weren't organized by any celebrities. That was all um, grassroots movements. And, um, but then he said after a while, he felt like um, he, he should, it was, you know, he, he felt obligated to use his platform to say something. And oh, that's very honorable of him. I mean, you know, really it is. I mean, yeah. And that's what this, that's what this uh, special wow. is called 846. Well, so out of all those things, I have only watched one show. Oh my god! But I wrote them all down, and I got a little. Fires everywhere. Yeah, I yep, I got that down. But I, yep, little fires everywhere. But I've got everything written down, so I can check them out if I can get enough time. So, well, I'm gonna tell you this. Um, so I, I, I recommend everything on the list that I just named, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, for you personally, and well, for everybody out there, I I, I would recommend that you prioritize uh, a teacher, um, a tangled web, and the girl in the pines. Okay. And if you've already seen Party of Five back in the nineties, mm -hmm. this is well, not, I had never seen it. So. Well, well, if even if, if for people who have, this is not. Um, a retread of old stories. This is um, the 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 name is the same, but uh, everything else is pretty much brand new. So hmm. you'll be getting a brand new. Well, there's some good stuff listed here. So I got some stuff I gotta, you know, I want to on my list. I want to watch, but it's going. I don't know. We'll see how much I can get done in the next couple of days. I got so many things I got to do, but but anyway, all right. Well, I got to I got to run because I'm sure our guest has made it here and. Probably wondering where I'm at, but um, this has been a good discussion though, because there's been some good things to talk about, so and things I want to watch. But um, and um, if I hadn't said it before, welcome back. Thank you, and hopefully we can continue on down the path. And there's so many other things I'm sure we can venture out into, and more guests we're going to want to have. And so hopefully everybody, we will have a great 2021. Let's hope we get over some. This, this virus and get that behind us. Um, but as we know, it's still kind of hanging around. So just everybody, please be safe. Take care of yourself. Um, and uh, we look forward to a good new year, hopefully full of good movies of all kinds. So. Right. And theaters being open. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and, um, and since this is New Year's Eve, I'm not going to end with a round of applause. Instead, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, sign off this way. Nice.
All right. Happy New Year's, everybody. Appreciate it. And uh, till next time, we'll see you for the next episode. All right. Well, I'm headed on. So I'm gonna make it. Now you didn't make it hard on me, man. I gotta put. I gotta get my list together. So. All right. We'll touch base with you later. Have a good one. Till right. next time. All right. Bye. Later. Fully cinematic.